Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports columnist Bruce Jenkins. During our conversation, we broke down a chaotic week in Warriors land. From Clay Thompson's torn Achilles, to the trade for Kelly Oubre, to the signings of Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, I haven't had you on in the podcast in what feels like forever, which is an oversight on my part. I know I know our readers and our listeners love your insight, and I haven't even gotten the chance to talk to you in months. Uh, we were just catching up before we jumped on here about our lives, because given the state of things with COVID, uh, we don't really overlap anymore. So it's nice. it's nice to see your face. Yeah, I remember what you look like now. I mean, <laughs> I'll take this over <laughs> over personal interaction. Yeah, grow, growing out the beard a little bit since I last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that work with a mask? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it pokes out quite a bit, but uh, <laughs> you know, you, you make do for sure. Um, yeah. It's things were really chill there for a while, so I'm not really complaining that things have heated up in the past week or so. Uh, obviously, some of the reasons for that are unfortunate. Um, yeah. Clay's injury last week, the the torn Achilles, he'll be out for the season. There's a massive trickle-down effect to that. Um, and you've seen Bob Myers have to make some really quick decisions in the aftermath of that because two days after he tore his Achilles, only a day after he tore his he, – he found out for sure that he had torn his Achilles, free agency started. And, uh, yeah. You know, in the past week, you've seen the Warriors add Kelly Oubre, who's kind of the de facto fill-in for Clay. Um, and then you have Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker. Um, I think that the Warriors are still going to make another move or two. Uh, they have the disa- the $9.3 million disabled player exception, and they have a little bit more left on that uh, mid-level exception because they haven't used all of it yet. So I expect them to add one or two more guys. But um, I guess my first question for you would just be, <clears throat> what was your initial reaction? And I asked Scott Osler this when he came on the pod last week, but I'm curious for your thoughts. What was your initial reaction when you saw the news that Clay was injured and it was it was likely an Achilles? Well, it's just disbelief. I mean, the way it was portrayed, you knew it was really bad. You know, and then you had people on social media, some responsible guys going, you know, this, this is this is really bad. It's, it might be an Achilles. And then so I just immediately assumed that he, this guy's out for the season again. Mm-hmm. And it's just it was so unfair and cruel that it, it took me a while to even deal with with that sort of news. You know, I, I've covered sports a long time and we all cover guys who go through this stuff. Actually, DeMarcus Cousins has had the two injuries. So it's not that unfamiliar to us, but it's still pretty rare that somebody gets back-to-back knockout. As far as I know, Clay is the first player in NBA history who suffered an eight, a torn ACL and a torn Achilles with no games in between. And yeah, the only exactly. player that I know of who's comparable, and you, I'm sure you know this name, Norm Nixon. Oh, yeah. Um, he had a torn patellar tendon uh, that he suffered in a – a charity softball game back back in the day when he was with the Clippers in the eighties. Uh, and then when he was on his way back on the verge of returning from that injury, he tore his Achilles. Um, he ended up coming back and starting 30 games for, for the, for the Clippers. Yeah. Not near the player he, he was before those injuries. He was a great um, Laker. Great Laker. Yeah. And obviously a ton of strides have been made in, in medical advances over the past three decades since those injuries for, to Norm Nixon. But 
Um, the reality of the situation is that Clay is facing an uphill battle just in terms of returning to an all-star level. Now, I do think a few things help him. He's 30 years old, so he's still in his prime. Yeah. Uh, he's not a big man, so he doesn't put near the toll on his lower body the way a center might or a DeMarcus Cousins might. Um, and he also is a guy who doesn't rely on his athleticism. Um, he he dunks occasionally. He's actually dunked more <laughs> the past couple of years than he had previously. But he is a guy who is your ultimate catch-and-shoot guy. Um, so yeah. 11 um, dribbles, 60 points. Right. And as you know, a torn Achilles tends to affect your explosiveness, which is why yeah. uh, it can really – hurt people's careers because you as an NBA player you depend on that but luckily Clay doesn't depend on it as much as other players do so I do feel confident that he'll be able to return close to 100% but you know the bottom line is I think that the biggest challenge or the biggest hurdle he has in front of him is 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 just the mental toll this type of thing being away from the game he loves for two plus years is, is 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 brutal yeah, I mean, I just you know we've all had things like this. I had a I had a uh, uh, rotator cuff that took me ten months. I had a new knee that took me ten months. And you know, after ten months, you're going, "Geez, I'm so glad this is over." And if, if I were to, or any of us were to have another one, like right on top of it, and, and you know, it's just three times over with Clay Thompson because he's so beloved. He's a public figure. He's a superstar. Uh, I think the one thing that concerns me in terms of his rehab, and you laid it out really well on that story the other day is just the lateral quickness on defense. Yeah. That's one of his real strengths is what's what makes him really sets him apart from so many other shooting guards or players in the league period. Uh, I, it's hard for me to imagine he'll still have that, but um, you know, if he comes back and can give you 30 in, in, uh, in 10 minutes, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, to do, I think uh, they can hang with that. And I'm, I'm glad that we're, we start this conversation by talking about what it means for Claire, because I do feel like that's getting lost a little in the discussion right now. Obviously, just in the world we live in, it's really easy to look ahead and be like, okay, now what do the Warriors do? Which, which is an important question. Obviously, an impressive question because the season's right around the corner, but there is a human being here. There, there is a life here that's being affected. Um, and in terms of the Warriors' long-term hopes, they need Clay to be Clay of old if they have any chance of winning another oh, yeah. title. Not this season, but in yeah. seasons uh, after that. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think it can be understated how important he is to this organization. I would make the argument that he's the second most important player on this team, ahead yeah. of Draymond, behind Steph. Um, mm -hmm. He is uh, the glue that really holds this organization together. Uh, it's not just the fact that he's arguably the second best shooter in NBA history behind Steph. He's an all defensive caliber defender, which became even more important when Andre Iguodala got traded. Um, and then he perhaps most importantly is just uh, the perfect temperament. Um, his, his even keeled demeanor, I think is a perfect fit alongside the joyful Steph and the fiery Draymond and it's just like a perfect puzzle piece. Um, and they're replacing him now with Kelly Oubre, who's actually very Draymond-esque. Uh, he's very fiery. He's gotten into his, his share of spats, including, including yeah. the, the infamous one when he was with the Wizards, uh, where he punched Clay in the, in the back of the head, yeah. um, which he apologized for, by the way, during his Zoom yeah. call with reporters yesterday so he was very remorseful for his past antics um, but uh you know the Warriors 
reacted pretty quickly with literally within 24 hours of Clay's injury, they go out and they get a guy like Ubre, um, who's coming off a career year with Phoenix averaged over 18 points per game. Um, he's one of the best transition players in the NBA. He's only 24 years old, turns 25 next month. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw them go get Ubre? And, and did you feel like he was the best use of that TPE that that traded player exception as opposed to someone like maybe an Eric Bledsoe or an Eric Gordon someone a little older yeah you know as I look down that list of the available guys uh obviously you know you see names like Brandon Ingram and Anthony Davis and then they were not going to be available and 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 we're not in, in fact I wasn't I wasn't excited about any any you know any of them except for Ubre. I saw his name pop up and I go damn that guy is an exciting player to watch I was totally into watching him more than more with Phoenix when he broke in, I wasn't quite aware of him, but with Phoenix, he started to really deal out there and totally exciting guy, which I think is an important factor with, with this team, you know, getting the fans back into it, getting the team back into it, you know, and uh, I, I, I thought it was a, 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 as good a move as any as they could make. I mean, again, and then the, you know, Bradley Beal is not going to be available. That, that would be really the best move they could make. But, you know, the one thing they lose it, you know, it's funny because here we went from, watching Clay and Curry and Durant and, you know, maybe Iguodala's wide open or, you know, Nick Young, for God's sake. And, <laughs> and right now they're, they're only real outside threat that you can bank on is Curry. And that's yeah. a huge loss without Clay, you know? Yeah. And, and, and to build off that, I think it's going to be really important for Wiggins and both Wiggins and Ubre to shoot 35 plus percent from three at a, yeah. on a high volume this season. For, if the Warriors have any chance of making any noise, in a loaded Western conference. And yeah. um, Ubre was not a good shooter early in his career. He's, he's developed in that, that aspect of his game. He, he shot 35% on a pretty high volume last season for Phoenix, um, which is around the league average. It's, so it's, it's, it's not great, but it, it's not going to hurt you. Um, yeah. I think if he can get that number up to 36, 37%, that would really help. Um, but I agree with you. I think, it was a best case scenario given the circumstances. He's not a perfect fit by any means. Right. Uh, he is not Clay Thompson, and there isn't a Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson oh, is not the best shooting guard probably in the NBA, but he's definitely the best shooting guard for the Warriors, if you know what I mean, in terms of fit. Um, yeah. But the thing I like about Ubre is he is still 24 years old. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. He's going to get better. And I like the long-term fit. Um, you know, yeah. he comes in, he fit, he fills a role for the Warriors as a as a starting shooting guard. Maybe they play him at the three, move Wiggins to the two, um, whatever they decide to do there. But he'll be your a starter for you, um, filling filling the void for Clay. And then, you know, he's going to be a free agent next summer if the Warriors want to, and if they like his his cultural fit on the team, they can they can resign him. Obviously their luxury tax will continue to go through the roof, but uh, they'd be potentially willing to do that. And I, I love the idea of him being like a sixth or seventh man, like a high energy sixth or seventh man coming off the bench uh, for that wing rotation. Um, mm -hmm. Once he really starts to hit his prime. Um, and, and also another option is that it's possible that they decide to deal a guy like Wiggins in pursuit of an all-star caliber guy, uh, just to make the salaries match and then you can slide Ubre into your starting small forward spot and I think that'd be pretty seamless so um in, in a lot of ways Ubre is actually a very similar player to Wiggins uh so if they do unload Wiggins you're not losing much there 
Um, so I love, I, to me, that's the most exciting thing about this deal is not just what he provides in terms of help keeping you, helping keep you relevant this season, but long-term. And, and he talked at length yesterday about how much he wants a home. He wants a place to, to call home, to, to find a long-term fit. He's bounced around already a bit in the league. And even going back before that, he was only at Kansas a year, spent a year at prep school in Nevada, moved around as a kid, was displaced by Hurricane Katrina, yeah, uh, moved to Houston for high school. Um, so I think he just wants to get his feet rooted somewhere. And I, I think this could be the place. Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, it's a big area. Secondly, you know, the chance to play with Steph Curry is is a real privilege. And, you know, when Clay comes back, uh, assuming he comes back okay, the way these guys move the ball, the, the selfless nature of the team, you know, the NBA is full of egos, full of guys who'd really rather not pass the ball, let alone scurry around the court like Bill Bradley or John Havlicek or Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, you know, and it's it's an exciting thing. And, uh, you know, he made a point of saying, geez, you know, it's it's fun to be with a team where they, with an owner who really cares. I mean, and <laughs> – I mean, it's, it's pretty clear, but so yeah. now they're looking at a payroll that could go up to 300 million with the luxury tax. And he's still saying, you know, we're, we're going for it. We're not backing off at all, as opposed yeah. to Sarver and Phoenix, who everybody knows is kind of a joke and that he made that point. So, you know, well, I think it's not a ton better. Um, and I selfishly as a reporter, I'm, I'm excited because everyone I've talked to who's covered Ubre loves covering him. I could tell yeah. just in the zoom, presser yesterday that he's extremely candid uh yeah. he does not lack for swagger uh which yeah. i actually appreciate um and even though the way i thought he was going to speak pretty highly of of phoenix because he did play well there mm-hmm. um but the, when i asked him about his time in phoenix he basically said look i wasn't handed anything there i made it look good but it, there was a lot of things behind the scenes um i don't i as we all know phoenix is a pretty dysfunctional franchise and the warriors have made a habit now of going after these reclamation projects from phoenix <laughs> phoenix has a, has a knack for taking really talented young players and, <laughs> and making them look worse than they are uh <laughs> so a great example being marquis chris who his who's yeah. in phoenix almost got him out of the league yeah former lottery pick and now he looks like a, a real quality rotation piece for the Warriors so um the fact that Uber actually played well there I think speaks highly says uh, well on him because it's not easy to 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 excel there um but I think he's going to really thrive with the Warriors because they're not going to ask him to do too much I mean he if he can just kind of be a better version of Harrison Barnes in some ways you know attack closeouts knock down the open three uh make the simple pass play hard on defense he'll be a huge asset. And I think what we're starting to see with how this, this rotation and this roster is coming together is the Warriors are going to have to kind of change their identity a little bit uh, this season. I think they're really, they, they like to play at a fast pace. They're going to even need to lean harder into that. Uh, They're going to really need to get in transition, ratchet up the tempo and fast breaks, grab the rebound and just go. Because that is what guys like Ubre and Wiggins excel at. And if you want them to be the the best versions of themselves, you really need to do that. Yeah, I, I just think you know you don't have to be so strict to say, well, who's the new shooting guard? Well, it's Kelly Ubre. He's he's a wing and he's starting. That's what it, that's what it is. I mean, you don't uh, you know the two is kind of vacant with Clay gone, but the starting position is not, and he's a wing and. Yeah, I mean, the, the fast break possibilities are just are really good. Bazemore is another high-energy guy who loves to dunk and get out there. He can play defense. And, 
uh, you know, it's all part of the fact that uh, that Bob Myers has has assembled a, a definitely a watchable team. Right. Uh, you, you know, any team that's that's is up tempo and, and loves playing with each other, you know, is is uh, is fun to watch. Uh, you don't expect them to rise to the top of the standings, but that's a huge plus. We'll have more of my conversation with Bruce Jenkins right after the break. So this is such a strange year because of COVID. Um, the entire calendar leading up to the season is so different. And um, I know uh, I had talked and written about uh, the possibilities in free agency before even the draft because it was so soon after the draft that free agency started. And, you know, I talked a lot about trying to go after uh, big men, particularly because I think this was those were the, the most attainable quality assets the Warriors could get with that middle-level exception in this free agency market. But Mm -hmm. I think that philosophy really shifted when you, A, go out and draft James Wiseman with the number two pick, who's going to be your starting center from day one. And then the clay injury happens. And then even though wing depth was already a concern, it became even more of a need. Uh, So you go out and get Oubre, and then you go out and you get Brad Wanamaker, who's a backup point guard, but really more, more of a combo guard, can play both of those spots. And then... You go out and also get Kent Bazemore, who Warriors fans know well from early in his career, and is is going to provide some more wing depth for them. Um, they still, like I mentioned earlier, they still have some some tools to go out and get another player or two. Um, I would I looking at this roster right now, I think what what it really needs is it needs like a it would be nice if it, it could get a true floor spacing big man. Um, mm-hmm. Marcus Sol would have been perfect, but yeah. I think that that went out the window when Clay went down because Marcus Soule is obviously a guy who wants to chase a championship. And unfortunately that's not probably going to be the case with the Warriors this season. Yeah. Um, so I'm not seeing that guy out there at this point. I mean, probably the best big man available is Hassan Whiteside who oh, is, God, no. he's kind of like a poor man's James Wiseman. Um, yeah. I think that he's kind of like a James Wiseman's worst case scenario in some ways. And uh, so I don't see the need to go after him and there's just not really anyone else that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's kind no. of over. Um, another, another need that I think the Warriors have is just defense. Um, they, they could use another really good perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. You, that's my biggest concern about this team right now is they, I think they have enough offense to be competitive, but, uh, you know, they don't have anyone that's going to fill the void of clay defensively and they still haven't found anyone that's going to fill the void. Um, of Andre Godala and honestly, to to a degree, even Sean Livingston. Um, oh, oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, you look at you look at their their roster right now, and there's not a guy on this roster outside of Draymond who scares you defensively. Um, they have they have a few guys that I think have real potential, but they haven't proven it consistently. Uh, I think Bazemore is above average. I think that Ubre can be. I think that Wiggins showed flashes of that in his short stint last season with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But there's still question marks. And I think if they could go get like even like an Andre Roberson type or or someone who, you know, is proven on that side of the ball, it, it would really yeah. help. Avery Bradley would have been nice. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but it's it's uh, at this point, you're probably not gonna get a guy who is really a true difference difference maker. Um, I mean, even someone like Roberson, he's missed what two and a half seasons before he came back during the bubble. It didn't look he's like he's always coming back and then he never plays. 
I mean, he, he's yeah. been hit. He's back. He's working out. He, he, has he played? Has he played, he played in, in the bubble a little bit? Um, he? He, didn't, he didn't look great. Yeah. Uh, and this is a guy who obviously provides nothing offensively. So right. yeah, he sure. needs to be a real factor defensively to, to have value. So I don't know. I mean, look, I think the Warriors have done a decent job given the circumstances, but I was expecting a little bit bigger swing during free agency. And I think maybe that in retrospect, that was a little unrealistic given the fact that Thompson went down because once Clay went down, you're not you the chances of the Warriors getting that ring chaser type, the the David West type, or even the Zaza Pachulia type who takes less than his market value, yeah, uh, to come to the Warriors <laughs> went out the window because the only reason to do that would be to win a title. And that's just yeah. not gonna happen without right. Clay. It's just not. I mean, best case scenario, I think, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this. I think that they're buying for home court advantage in the West, like for a four seed. That's best case scenario. And for that to happen, a lot of things would have to go right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, realistically, they just, they just want to get in. And if, if they do get in, assuming that it's not some play in madness between three or four teams that just shouldn't be anywhere near it, if they do get in, I think that sort of implies that they've had a pretty good year, a cohesive year. A lot of things worked. And, you know, with, uh, with Draymond and, and, and Curry, it assumes that Weissman will have had a decent rookie year. You know, that's, that's probably uh, going to scare some people a little bit. You know, I mean, it's, they're going to look a little bit more familiar than they did than they do right now. And, uh, but yeah, I, I told, I mean, if they were to get into the last four, I think that'd be a heck of an accomplishment. Uh, you know, the Clippers and Lakers are obviously at the top. Uh, Denver may have taken a step back, losing Jeremy Grant. Uh, Utah didn't really do that much. Uh, right. So, and, you know, Dallas, uh, you know, they got Luca, but they haven't done a whole lot either. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's certainly a real a possibility to get into that four. What do you think of the Warriors' overall approach and mindset when Clay went down? And by that, I mean <clears throat> they faced a critical question as soon as it became clear that Clay had an Achilles, a torn Achilles, um, because they are already they've already lost fifty plus million dollars by not having fans at Chase Center. They're looking to lose way more than that given the fact that the, the city has turned down their yeah. proposal to to test fans the coronavirus and get fans back at chase or at least to start the season um so they're they're not they're not in an ideal financial situation uh they're they're in line to have the biggest payroll in nba history by by bringing in Ubre, they spiked their their luxury tax by over 70 million dollars um, so they're looking at a, a luxury tax of like $134 million, um, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and that they haven't even finished their yeah. roster yet. Yeah. So I guess it came down to the fact, given those, those, that situation, do the Warriors want to just take another gap here and just say, you know what, we got bad luck again, wave the white flag and, uh, and just, do another year focus on player development and give some more rest to, to Steph and, and Draymond, or do you try to do the best you can to at least be nationally relevant this year? Um, the, the key thing to me was, and I've said this immediately after Clay's injury, they can't mortgage their future for, for this season. You know, they have a couple key assets, right? Like they have the top three protected for Minnesota and a loaded 2021 draft. The, there yeah. would be an, a temptation, understandably, to say, you know what, screw it. We're, we're still going to contend for a title this year. We're going to 
package all those future assets and trade away Andrew Wiggins. We're going to go after a Bradley Beal and we're going to try to contend for a title this year. I think that would have been a horrible decision um, because you still would not be guaranteed to contend for a title this season and you're mortgaging your future and hurting your chances of winning a title down the line. I think you do what the Warriors are doing, which is you maximize your winning potential this season without mortgaging your future. And then you really take a a serious swing at it in 2021, 22. Yeah, I think they handled it just right. I mean, they had two first rounders. They got rid of one, but you certainly can't get rid of both. That would be very dumb. So they still have that one. It's probably going to be pretty good. Um, But you know what? Uh, The bottom line is Curry and Draymond wouldn't hear of backing off. They've been waiting way too long to not go friggin' nuts out there. They want it really bad. Even right. if it's just personal, I mean, they, they've got to get back in the game. You know, Curry's got to get back in among the superstar crowd. He's, he's, he's back, man. Everybody look out, you know, and Draymond too. They right. wouldn't, they wouldn't hear of it. And that's going to be contagious, I think. So, yeah, I mean, they got them, they made themselves exciting. They're spending a lot of money, but the fans don't care about that. They, they and yeah. the fans are, are really relevant right now. I mean, last season they, they opened Chase Center to a preposterous team. That was just, you know, just full of guys you never even heard of. And then there's nobody there. And then there's no season. I mean, and then there's going to open with no season that, you know, the fans are going to, they they need to get excited at the soonest possible opportunity. You know, uh, next thing you know, they've kind of checked out of the NBA for a while, especially if the Warriors aren't looking like they once did. And it's all nostalgia. I think you're, you're, you're treading treacherous, treacherous territory. If if you go that route, right. Um, where it, you wave the white flag again, and then you're yeah. you're risking ruining your the culture you've spent years building. Uh, yeah, exactly. as, you know the fact that the Warriors didn't implode from a cultural perspective <laughs> and a locker room perspective while enduring what was an extremely tough league worst season last season is a testament to to what they built. But I don't even think the Warriors could withstand another year of that. Um, I don't think any team in professional sports could. Um, and so just from a psychological perspective, you at least owe it to your fans and your players to, to, to put winning first again this season, even if you know that it's not probably going to mean a title. And look, you know, if, if they can somehow s- steal home, a four seed in the West and, and get home court advantage in the playoffs with Steph and Draymond, it's not out of the question that they could make a run in the playoffs and maybe right. make the Western conference finals and make things interesting. And then that's an, enti- that's a huge uh, psychological boost heading into what will be a critical 2021, 22 season. I think, you know, from the fan standpoint, just getting into the playoffs would be a huge thing. And especially if there's fans in the stands with that many months from now, it's like, oh, my God, here's the, the opener of the, you know, the first round series at Chase Center, you know, or wherever it may be. You know, that, that's, a, that's a heck of a thing. That, that's, that alone makes the season worthwhile to me. I mean, if, if you get swept in, in a horrible fashion, that kind of diminishes it pretty quickly. But, you know, the bottom line is making the playoffs in, the, in this situation with this team, these circumstances would be a great thing. And that's, that's what they're going for. I, I think they'll get there. Uh, I know we touched upon them, but I'm, I'm curious – on, for your specific thoughts on Brad Wanamaker out of uh, yeah. they got from Boston and, and Kim Bazemore, who I know you're familiar with. Yeah, well, all I know about Wanamaker is that there's a, there's a race called the Wanamaker Mile. I think it was in the Penn Relays or something. <laughs> but I, 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 pay, I watched a lot of the bubble. I was really skeptical at first, like, what, what are they doing? But I got way into it. And 
And every time he took the court, he did something great for the Celtics. You know, a lot of it was blowout time, but somebody put together like a five minute reel of him in the, only in the bubble. Yeah. And it's like, he's hitting from 25. He's dunking. Yeah. He's going to steal a great pass. I and mean, he can do a lot of things. You know, he's yeah. not terrible at anything. He's a great free thrower, led the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if he starts 82 games for you, I think it's a whole different story. Right. Uh, you know, but, but for a guy who can do all these things and I think, you know, it sounds like defense is one of them. At least he said he goes after it. He's a tough guy. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I, you know, I like that. I, I, it's interesting to me that, I mean, Nico Mannion is like quickly off the map. I've been reading so much about him and, you know, his story is great, but I mean, yeah. realistically, I mean, he's, he's not going to, I mean, he was the 48th pick in the draft for a reason. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, uh, he's not going to come in and, and <laughs> help you come playoff time. Uh, yeah. Wanamaker is a reliable, proven vet. And I say vet uh, because he's 31 years old and he's been a pro for a very long time. He's actually just entering his third season in the NBA. He was yeah. seven years overseas, playing at a very high level. Um, actually wasn't even sold on coming to the NBA because he liked his life in Turkey so much. That was making seven figures <laughs> of a star, winning yeah. championships. Um but the thing I like about him is he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's uh, pretty, he's, he's pretty smart. Um, he, you know, like, like you said, he played really well in the bubble shot 44% from three in mm -hmm. Orlando. Um, he's not as good of a facilitator as you would want in that backup point guard spot, yeah. but he is really strong physically and he, he can defend multiple positions. He's got a nice long wingspan. Um, so I like him as a, as a backup point guard type. He can also play some two. Um, he's much better than any options they had there last season. Um, so definitely an improvement. Yeah. I personally like him more than some other guys that I know pundits and fans had preferred for them to go after maybe like a Austin Rivers type. I actually would yeah, rather have not, no Rivers for me. I, I'd take Wanamaker. I mean, Rivers has done more obviously, but yeah. he's kind of a weird cat. I, 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 I like, uh, and he is close to the Curry family, but I, right. I, I, and I when you're talking about a backup guy. Yeah, really matters. And, and yeah. every everything I've heard about Wanamaker is really positive. He's yeah. a really genuine, good family guy. Yeah, did fit their ethos pretty well. Bazemore is interesting. Um, you know, he he's a guy who is a much better player than he was last time he was with the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, last time he was with the Warriors, he was really just a, a defensive oriented guy who couldn't. Shoot a waving a towel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he he overall his shooting form um, emerges a really really essential role guy for for some really good Atlanta teams a few years back. Uh, since then has been a little up and down. He was not very good last season with Portland, but he was traded mid season to uh, to the Kings and actually played super well for them. So obviously the Warriors are hoping to get the Kings version of Bazemore as opposed to the Portland version. Um, but I think it'll help him that he's playing alongside one of his closest friends in life. Absolutely. In yeah. Steph Curry. And yeah. <laughs> he already knows what the Warriors are about. Um, I think that goes a long way. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was, that was a heck of a move. I mean, he, he does a lot of things for you, you know, coming off the bench. Uh, he's the definition of that sort of guy. I mean, he's going to play tough defense for in short spurts. He's going to get a breakaway dunk. That's going to excite everybody. Uh, high energy guy, uh, scoring could be a little hit and miss, but right. I, I think yeah, I th he just needs to bring his personality and his flair and his and his desire. Uh, you know that again, we've talked about this. It's a it's a kind of a crucial element to bring into the mix, and and like you say, most of all, he's he's really stoked to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, yeah. That, that, you, you that's saw a confident, 
you saw Stevin oh. and FaceTiming after the news broke. And, you know, you know that this is something they've been hoping for for a long time because, and I know yeah. you've covered the NBA long enough to understand that um, NBA friendship is different than normal, like everyday friendship. Like it, I, the way I describe it to people is it's like any coworker situation, you know, you have your coworkers and may, you get along with them and you respect them and everything's cool, but you're not like, necessarily going out and grabbing a beer with them or, or actually, you know, calling them on Christmas and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas you do notice occasionally in the NBA that there are those true friendships where it's mm -hmm. not just like a coworker situation, but they're actually besties. And from what I've heard, Bazemore and Steph are that they're both from North Carolina. They're both pretty religious. They're both family oriented guys. They both love golf. I mean, it just makes sense. They have a lot to connect over. Yeah, you know, confidence is such a big thing in sports, really, really anything. But uh, I think I think Curry's going to be bolstering this guy's his ego and his confidence every step of the way, especially when he feels like it's necessary. And that's a guy that Bazemore will listen to. And you know, Bazemore is going to going to realize, hey, I'm, I'm playing with Steph here. I'm going to let, let me be part of this. You know, those little things can can add up. And for a team that's already deep in the luxury tax, I think great value. Uh, on a veteran minimum, oh, yeah. minimum deal. I mean, you look at his production throughout his career and his track record. To me, he's a guy that would be closer to a mid-level, but they got him at the vet minimum. So that's a win to me. Um, yep. Bruce, thank you so much for uh, joining me. It's nice It's nice seeing your face. It's nice catching up, man. It's been way too long. <laughs> uh, hopefully one yeah. of these days we can actually see each other in person. I don't know when that'll come, but – Hopefully. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a young guy. I mean, no. <laughs> I'm not that anxious to go up to Chase Center and sit up there in Saturn and watch the game. But uh, no, no, it, it, it has been great. And uh, I think all the readers know you've been, you've been doing an unbelievable job. I mean, you work so hard. The beat is so much harder than it was when I started covering a league. Um, and, uh, you know, con full congrats to you, man. And thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Our thanks to Bruce Jenkins for joining me on the podcast. It was really nice catching up with a Bay Area legend. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod. 